The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. May we see your papers? I don't think I have them on me. In that case, we'll have to ask you to come along. Wait, it's possible that, uh, yes. Here we are. These papers expired three weeks ago. You have to come along. Halt! Halt! Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, November 4th, 2021. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing, it's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be So do you know when your Vax passport expires? Papers, please. Well, at least that's one clear advantage that we, the unvaxxed, have over the vaxxed. We already know that our passports are permanently expired because we don't even have one. (laughs) And that's just one less source of anxiety we unvaxxed have to deal with, keeping track of how many weeks it's been since our last injection and keeping up with all of the planned future injections that the producers of the injections want to force on us. Nor do we have to deal directly with the risks of adverse reactions to the injections. Of course, passports and identity papers are political contrivances. Normally identifying the geographical political jurisdiction of one's origin and only necessary when traveling between differing political jurisdictions. So when passports are being required for supposed medical reasons, by politicians and vaccine producers, then you know beyond any doubt that this is about politics and not about health. But what's important to recognize is that politics is both the source of the COVID pandemic and the cure to the COVID pandemic. Unfortunately, too few people understand this, and this continually leads them into their own self-inflicted crises. This whole so-called COVID pandemic has been an epistemological war, as are all political conflicts. Wars of words. And it is the definitions we assign to those words that will either destroy us or save us. And I mean that literally. Don't believe me? We'll see if you still feel that way after I endeavor to demonstrate this truth right after our reminder that you are encouraged to write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archived broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. Define or be defined. Definitions are so important in any war of words, let alone in a war using bioweapons that people are unable to recognize for the want of an objective definition. Spreading propaganda is all about using definitions in a false and manipulative way. Spreading the truth begins with using accurate definitions in an objective and honest way. That's how deadly serious the game of definitions is. Consider, you know, I was just thinking about this, consider the the manipulation of a simple word like 
passport as an effective tool of oppression. This only occurred to me after I looked up the definition of passport in a dictionary. Funk and Wagnalls defines passport as 1. An official warrant certifying the citizenship of the bearer and affording protection to him when traveling abroad. 2. A permit to travel or convey goods through a foreign country. And 3. Anything that enables one to gain entrance or acceptance, etc. Now, of course, that third definition falls under an entirely different context and circumstance. So should we be surprised that globalists who seek to end the sovereign state should also wish to do away with the first two concepts of passports, those based on sovereign nations, and adopt a third subjective no-boundaries-defined-as-anything kind of passport? Under that definition, a simple coin or token could be called a passport if it enabled one to gain entrance, say, to a subway or bus or to a movie. But calling something like that a passport is really just a manipulative way of connecting the concept of a real passport with the anything kind of passport to give it a legitimacy it doesn't really merit or to segregate one group from another. And that could be done for legitimate reasons like, you know, no ticket, no movie. (laughs) Now, when I talk about epistemology, the second of five basic branches of philosophy, here's how that word is defined in the dictionary. Quote, The branch of philosophy that investigates the nature, limits, criteria, or validity of human knowledge. Also a particular theory of cognition, end quote. So epistemology has a lot to do with, of course, definitions. And over the past week, we were given a tragic example of why capitalism, as philosopher-novelist Ayn Rand illustrated, is still the unknown ideal. And I say tragic because over the past week or so, Saskatchewan doctor Francis Christian has been praised and had some of his interviews go viral with his message that we are suffering under, now get this, a tyranny of capitalism, which is as oxymoronic a contradiction that I can think of. It is so egregious and so destructive it's difficult to overstate it. The tragedy is compounded because it's coming from a doctor who otherwise has quite correctly described the nature of both the fake pandemic fraud and the reality of the political landscape. And this is a very serious issue that strikes at the heart of every political pandemic, because if you're not even able to identify or describe the solution to a problem, if you don't even have a word or a concept for it, then there's no possible way to achieve it. And when you wrongly define the solution to a dilemma as the cause of the dilemma, you have fundamentally closed all doors to taking effective action. So the first definition we have to clarify, of course, is the meaning of the word capitalism. That's where we're starting, by offering a proper definition of capitalism, as described by Ayn Rand, to whose work I will be referring frequently during our show today. And she described it like this, and I quote, Capitalism is a social system based on the recognition of individual rights, including property rights, in which all property is privately owned. The recognition of individual rights entails the banishment of physical force from human relationships. Basically, rights can be violated only by means of force. In a capitalist society, no man or group may initiate the use of physical force against others. And when I say capitalism, I mean a full, pure, uncontrolled, unregulated, laissez-faire capitalism with a separation of state and economics in the same way and for the same reasons as the separation of state and church. 
The moral justification of capitalism does not lie in the altruist claim that it represents the best way to achieve, quote, the common good, end quote. It is true that capitalism does. But this is merely a secondary consequence. The moral justification of capitalism lies in the fact that it is the only system consonant with man's rational nature, that it protects man's survival qua man, and that its ruling principle is justice. End quote. Now, of course, the reason that Ayn Rand titled one of her books Capitalism, the Unknown Ideal, is because capitalism has never quite been achieved, and that is because it remains unknown. And capitalism remains unknown to this day for two basic reasons. The enemies of capitalism don't want anyone to discover or know what it actually is. And the people who should be teaching the virtues of capitalism are instead telling people that capitalism's the problem. Saskatchewan Dr. Francis Christian earned the wrath of healthcare fascists by publicly speaking out in favor of informed consent regarding the distribution of the COVID injections. His credentials, as is usual in such cases, are impeccable. He has the courage of his convictions. He was even fired from his medical positions, and I'm in total agreement with and support his efforts to establish some kind of informed consent when it comes to medical decisions and vaccinations. So you can well imagine my frustration upon hearing Dr. Christian on October 27th's Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson show when he started talking about the tyranny of capitalism, something he's been doing on other talk shows as well, and it's just infuriating me. And his failure to define capitalism correctly is only the tip of his epistemological and philosophical errors. And I'll be addressing these fallacies, not to pick on the good doctor, but to highlight the destructive philosophy that he's applying to his argument, given that these arguments are so reflective of the same confusions suffered by the public forever keeping them ignorant of the political ideal that freedom-loving people seek. It's shocking, isn't it, Laurelyn? Uh, this revolving door between industry and the, and the people supposed to be regulating that industry. Um, I have to say, though, that um, people believe that that in some there are some forms of government that are good for them and some forms of government that are bad for them. Uh, and not so long ago, I I gave a, a speech uh, on the two tyrannies. And the two tyrannies I spoke of is the tyranny of communism or socialism and the tyranny of capitalism. So people think, oh, you know, capitalism ensures for us in the West some of the things we think are our birthright, you know, freedom of the press, freedom of speech, free movement. But those who have studied history know better. And you probably know this already, Mussolini of Italy, the fascist dictator who was Hitler's friend, he defined capitalism as the merger of corporate power with government power. And uh, that is exactly what's happening now. Uh, if you think that communism is a, is a bad thing, of course, uh, we know that communism killed a lot of people. We know that uh, under the Soviet tyranny, just between 1924 and 1956, 23 million Soviet Russian citizens, and this is apart from the, from the war, this is completely apart from the millions killed 
during the Second World War. I'm talking only of the people killed outside war by the Soviet tyranny. 23 million went to the gulags, went to uh, detention centers, camps, and perished there, or before ad hoc firing squads. But you, if, 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 if people think that capitalism is somehow preserves you from all these uh, evils, uh, I, I'd invite them to just look at history. There's a, there's a capitalism of communism, there's a, there's, there's a tyranny of communism and a tyranny of capitalism. And the latter, the tyranny of capitalism, was seen uh, in at least two big tyrannical genocidal regimes of the 20th century. Uh, if you look at uh, Hitler, uh, the, the fact is he invited foreign investment, uh, massively invest, uh, Germany had invited massive foreign investment the American companies that invested in in Nazi Germany included GM, um, Standard Oil, uh, Coca-Cola, um, and the fact is, um, the, the IBM computer company ran the punch card machines that sent uh, Jewish people, um, gays, gypsies, Poles, Slavs to their deaths in the millions in the concentration camps. So those those punch punch card machines were run by IBM. So and then uh, everybody knows about the autobahn, which is the envy of the world. Those uh, six lane motorways where you don't have a speed limit. Uh, they were built by Hitler. They were built by the Nazi regime in record time. Um, uh, what about Volkswagen? It was Hitler's pet project. He wanted the people's car uh, and he wanted the people to get the fruits of capitalism. So uh, if people put their faith in government, if people put their faith in a particular type of government, uh, they're in for disappointment because both capitalism and communism can actually bring out the worst in human uh, in, in human beings uh, actually the prophet Jeremiah realized this many years before Christ was born uh, it, it was with desperation and sadness that he wrote uh, eloquently to his erring nation he said uh, and this is in the book of Jeremiah in the Bible he said the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? And that includes under capitalism and under, uh, under communism. What we're living under is a capitalistic tyranny where corporate power is merged with government power. And uh, the, the media is, uh, have now become arms of government. That, that happened in Nazi Germany. That happened in, in Mussolini's uh, fascist Italy. That happened also in the Soviet tyranny. So uh, the, the, if, if you think that lower taxes, uh, free investment of capital, um, those sort of things which we associate with capitalism uh, can preserve you from tyranny, uh, I, I, I'd say just look at history. That doesn't preserve you from tyranny. The heart of man needs to be changed. And that's what happened um, in, 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 in the fight against slavery, for example.
if people think that the governments always have their best interests at heart, again, take a look at history. In the 20th century, many more million people were killed by their own governments than those who perished by war. And I'm talking about both the fascist capitalistic tyrannies and the communist tyrannies. Uh, governments don't always have your best interests at heart. These super rich billionaires, the guys who control the corporations, also control our governments. Uh, um, in fact, Mussolini uh, said that fascism was the fusion of corporate power with government power. And that's what's happening. And uh, I think not in our uh, darkest dreams would we have thought that we would be living in an age where governments are seeking actively to divide people. Now, by the way, that's a well-known well -known tactic in the playbook of tyrannies, dividing and ruling. And this is being actively encouraged now. I mean, in my own province of Saskatchewan, they, they were going to create a website under the, under the direction of public health officials and the government, where you can actually report businesses and individuals for flouting COVID restrictions. And other provinces have had these sort of uh, divide and rule policies. Uh, not a good sign for society at all. Society is being divided into the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. Where have we seen this before? Um, the Nazi regime tried to tell people falsely, complete lies, that Jewish people were the carriers of disease. Okay, uh, There was a particular disease that in a particular context in the ghettos, the, the Nazi regime said the Jews carried typhus. It was a lie, of course. It was a lie, complete lie. But uh, based on these lies, the Jews were barred, this and other lies, the Jews were barred from several public institutions, library, bakeries, and so on. And by the, by the year, I believe, 1937, by the end of that year, they were wearing the yellow star, the Star of David, <sighs> which, um, so the attempt to divide society, whether it's by the capitalistic, corporate, fascist tyrannies, or whether by the Soviet Union, which divided children from their parents. Children were, 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 were asked to rat on their parents because their loyalty to the state was always superior to the loyalty to the family. That's what the Soviet tyranny said. So um, that is, that is uh, that's terrible, isn't it, for society, that you would have the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. Uh, politicians are, 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 are spewing this nonsense. But you have to remember that, um, that greed, corporate greed, can, it, it knows no bounds. Look at the history of uh, American corporate uh, power in Latin America, in South America. Just look at it in the last, uh, you know, 100 years. The, the fruit companies, the big American fruit companies, have engineered coups, massacres, uh, suffering on a vast scale in many Latin American countries just to get profits, just in the pursuit of greed. And guess who have been helping them? The, the American government, CIA, they've all been part of this tyranny. So 
it doesn't surprise me at all that that corporate greed i think Pfizer is due to make 30 billion dollars profit just this year on the vaccine alone uh, to what extent will they go i don't know but but for the public it's time to wake up there's much more than science at stake it's our very survival it's the future of humanity it's freedom it's liberty it's all those things we value well there's capitalism and there's capital isn't <laughs> You know, it's freedom, it's liberty, it's all those things we value, says Dr. Christian. But, but you can't have freedom or liberty without capitalism. They are one and the same. In fact, I simply see capitalism as a natural economic consequence of freedom. Capitalism is synonymous with free markets and with open competition. Capitalism is the exact opposite of fascism or of any merger between economic powers and state powers. I wonder, what would Dr. Christian call the economic system that would arise under freedom and liberty? The things he values? He doesn't say. His entire argument is erroneously based on the fact that our governments simply do not allow capitalism to exist. How can they? They're all about central management and control of the economy. That's the only way they can control the people. And that's why they're consciously and openly killing our free economy today with their lockdowns. And they want us to believe it's all about COVID. This from Ayn Rand. Quote, The flood of misinformation, misrepresentation, distortions, and outright falsehood about capitalism is such that the young people of today have no idea and virtually no way of discovering any idea of its actual nature. The 19th century was the ultimate product and expression of the intellectual trend of the Renaissance and the Age of Reason, which means of a predominantly Aristotelian philosophy. And for the first time in history, it created a new economic system, the necessary corollary of political freedom, a system of free trade on a free market, capitalism. No, it was not a full, perfect, unregulated, totally laissez-faire capitalism as it should have been. But the extent to which certain countries were free was the exact extent of their economic progress. America, the freest, achieved the most. Capitalism did not create poverty. It inherited it. Compared to the centuries of pre-capitalist starvation, the living conditions of the poor in the early years of capitalism were the first chance the poor ever had to survive. As proof, the enormous growth of the European population during the 19th century, a growth of over 300%, as compared to the previous growth of something like 3% per century. Capitalism has created the highest standard of living ever known on earth. The evidence is incontrovertible. Yet those who are loudest in proclaiming their desire to eliminate poverty are the loudest in denouncing capitalism. Man's well-being is not their goal, end quote. Wow, does that ever describe the wackos in charge of our governments today? Is it any wonder, then, that the insane fascist, sociopathic, and psychopathic politicians committed to depopulation hate capitalism and freedom so much? Of course, they never express their hatred in these terms. Their hatred is expressed through altruism and virtue signaling, and of course, fascist rule by the force of government and private interests. You know, I'm really aware of very few capitalists who are in favor of capitalism. They're two different things. Capitalists 
exist under all forms of government and social systems. They exist in communist countries where there is no capitalism at all. A capitalist is someone who earns income on his capital, money or property. A banker who lends money for interest is a capitalist. A landlord who rents housing units or apartments to renters is a capitalist. Any person, to the extent that he or she owns stocks that earn interest, is a capitalist to that extent. But that doesn't mean that they support capitalism, or for that matter, that they even have any idea that there is such a concept as capitalism. You can certainly understand why fascists, socialists, communists, anarchists, and every other form of capital isn't, don't want anybody to know the truth about capitalism. People who are simply conducting business by providing services, retailers, lawyers, accountants, plumbers, electricians, dentists, doctors, etc., are not capitalists. They are labor. They're service providers. They work for others, either an employer or a customer or a client. People believe that some forms of government are good for them and some are bad for them, says Dr. Christian. Well, those people are correct. <laughs> but the fact that the good forms of government don't exist anywhere doesn't mean that good and bad are equivalent. Dr. Christian has condemned capitalism merely on the grounds that it's not permitted to exist, yet he continues to call what we know to be fascism, capitalism. Why didn't he just call it what it was, fascism, and leave the term capitalism completely out of his descriptions? You know, it makes me a bit suspicious. Capitalism ceases to exist the very second that private economic interests receive government subsidies, protections from competition, are given immunity from being responsible for any damages, etc., etc. Dr. Christian refers to the two tyrannies, the tyranny of communism, socialism, and the tyranny of capitalism. Well, if there are two tyrannies, how many freedoms are there? Is there even any way to define a free society? Well, not if you believe capitalism is tyranny. You're literally saying that freedom is tyranny. Or, you know, freedom is slavery. Where have we heard that before? There is only one tyranny. You know what it's called? Tyranny. <laughs> tyranny is a social condition. It results whenever some people initiate the use of force against others without recourse. Tyranny is not a political system. It is a consequence of a myriad of political systems. Socialism, communism, fascism, all which exist on the left. In every instance where he used the term capitalism, Christian was actually referring to fascism. Even in his own assessment, he continually confused the terms. Capitalism cannot, by definition, be tyranny. You know, he literally said, Mussolini, the fascist dictator, defined capitalism as... Mussolini in no way defined capitalism. He explicitly defined fascism, his political philosophy, and simply called it capitalism. Think about it for a minute. What could possibly have made Benito Mussolini an authority on capitalism? Says Dr. Christian, capitalism ensures freedom of the press, freedom of speech, free movement. But those who studied history know better. <laughs> no, they don't. And those who study history, without studying the philosophy behind it, often know worse. The reason we say that people don't learn from history is because history never explains anything in terms of cause and consequence. History is merely a record of events that can be interpreted in a myriad of ways. And most of those interpretations make the same errors being made by Christian. In this context, trying to understand history without a proper objective philosophical grounding and without objective working definitions is next to impossible. 
Yes, capitalism does ensure freedom of the press, speech, movement, etc., but only if you have capitalism. Capitalism represents a separation of the state from economics. This doesn't mean anarchy or no government. It means the exact opposite, that the government must behave as a government and actually govern, not rule. The government should be the referee in the marketplace, ensuring justice, not a player in the game. Where the government should never interfere in a free market is in the area of supply and demand, pricing, competition, etc. All economic matters that resolve themselves in an environment free from political interference and subject to the free choices of individuals. Christian refers to the prophet Jeremiah, who said that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Well, you know, this is a version of what Ayn Rand called the argument from depravity. And if that is the truth, then obviously it applies to each and every one of us. And we've all just been called deceitful and desperately wicked by Dr. Christian. This is collectivism, and it is profoundly unjust. The heart of man needs to be changed, as with slavery, for example, noted Dr. Christian. Well, how extraordinary. That's exactly what the COVID vaccine peddlers are saying. Only they want to change every component of man, his mind, his body, his free will, and force us to do so at the point of an injection. And on the point of slavery, this, again, from Ayn Rand. Quote, Capitalism cannot work with slave labor. It was the agrarian feudal South that maintained slavery. It was the industrial capitalistic North that wiped it out, as capitalism wiped out slavery and serfdom in the whole civilized world of the 19th century. What greater virtue can one ascribe to a social system than the fact that it leaves no possibility for any man to serve his own interests by enslaving other men? What nobler system could be desired by anyone whose goal is man's well-being? Indeed, and Dr. Christian offered no answer to this question. I don't even think he asked it. If not capitalism, then what? Blank out. What, just wish or pray for freedom? That's pretty much where they were going. Slavery was defeated by the capitalistic North over the agrarian South. And it wasn't because man's heart changed. Throughout the entire history of the United States, as Dinesh D'Souza so aptly illustrated many times, and which we have featured on past broadcasts, every slave owned in the United States was owned by a Democrat the party of the Ku Klux Klan, the party that to this day still supports racist policies. There hasn't been any big moral change in the heart of Democrats on this issue to this very day. And right now they're all hard at work turning each and every one of us into slaves, and I'm not using that word as mere allegory or analogy. Says Christian, Mussolini, the fascist dictator, defined capitalism as the merger of corporate power with government power. Hitler invited foreign investment, and in creating Volkswagen, wanted to give the people the fruits of capitalism. Well, there you go. Getting the fruits of capitalism without capitalism. Another oxymoronic contradiction. You know, words actually mean things. You can't just say these things. The first question to ask here is, why would anyone trust an enemy of capitalism to offer an objective definition of that word? Christian himself literally called Mussolini a fascist dictator not a capitalistic dictator. You know, Mussolini did not follow the science of epistemology. Both capitalism and communism can bring out the worst in human beings, says Christian. Well, here's what Ayn Rand had to say to this argument. Quote, Capitalism demands the best of every man. 
his rationality and rewards him accordingly. It leaves every man free to choose the work he likes, to specialize in it, to trade his product for the products of others, and to go as far on the road of achievement as his ability and ambition will carry him. His success depends on the objective value of his work and on the rationality of those who recognize that value, end quote. And finally, you know, the great and ultimate tragic irony of Dr. Christian's argument. Here he is, a courageous political warrior speaking out for the cause of being given informed consent when it comes to injections, but bad-mouthing the only system whose most basic and fundamental principle is, you guessed it, consent. When it comes to freedom, the issue is always consent. You know you're living in a free society when you know you've got freedom of choice and can consent, or not, to any issues affecting your life and well-being. Again, I certainly wish Dr. Christian all the best when it comes to his efforts on behalf of informed consent, but he, like so many others who say they value freedom and liberty, has fallen into an epistemological trap set by those who are the enemies of freedom and liberty. Let us now move from someone who got it wrong to someone who got it not only right, but who takes us to the next level of the forces at play behind this political pandemic. Shortly after our broadcast last week, I watched a chilling assessment of our political crisis presented by Polly St. George, more popularly known as the Amazing Polly, and she explained the relationship between fascism and these injections. And that explanation begins with yet another epistemological battle. This from her October 28th post and presentation, which she titled, Fascism Rebranded. Have you ever heard the phrase, agile government? Well, you might hear it soon, because this is one of the new things being pushed by the World Economic Forum. I saw this phrase and I thought I'm going to look it up to show you how agile government probably is just a rebranding of what we've always known as fascism. Fascism being more or less the merger of corporation and state. It ends up being a way of governing where business interests rule the day. And government is kind of only secondary. In fact, it almost looks like government is there to siphon taxpayer money and deposit it into the industrialist pockets, as well as protect the industrialists from various charges of different types of things, malfeasance, uh, poisoning the environment, using slave labor. And that's the element I'm going to focus on today. Slave labor and the new technology facilitating a whole new type of slave class. A lot of people want to say this isn't Nazism, it's communism. And look, we could argue all day because there is a melding here of uh, seemingly opposed ideologies, but this is just a ruse. It's what it always has been. It is totalitarianism. It is the quest for a small elite to rule over everyone as slaves. And I think, in my opinion, what we're going through today with the COVID and the lockdowns and the destruction of business and the uh, health tyranny and the vaccine mandates, they want to inject, forcibly inject you with something. But we've seen a massive transfer of wealth over this whole time to the oligarchs, to the tech billionaires, just like we saw in the run-up to World War II, a massive concentration of wealth and investment in firms that were going to further the war effort by American industrialists, by British industrialists, by every 
type of elite they're out there, royalty, everyone, bankers, they all flooded in to enriching this certain group of industrialists. And that certain group of industrialists killed a lot of people, not just on the factories with the terrible work conditions, not just in the death camps, which were were death camps for many reasons, not just purposeful extermination, but medical experimentation and overwork and exposure to harsh chemicals and exposure, starvation, all kinds of things killed these people. And it was the industrialists in Germany who ran that operation with the consent of the government, at least with the blind eye turned from the government because it was a symbiotic relationship so what we're going through today is a repeat of that, only this time it's global and it is run by organizations in the center of it all, such as the United Nations, the World Health Organization, and the World Economic Forum. This is put out by the World Economic Forum in 2017. The famous video that they put out about how the world could change by 2030. That's what they themselves say. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Okay, so what do you call, do you call that? Communism? Fascism? This seems like a new thing. And it is a new thing, but it's based on the old fascist model. What was the big boon for the industrialists in Germany in World War II? Aside from tons of money coming in from the other elites from around the world, it was the fact that they got away with using many hundreds of thousands of slaves to do the work in these factories, whether captured from other countries and brought to Germany, or factories were sometimes set up in the captured nations and they, they, they got the slaves from there dissidents in their own countries, prisoners of war, obviously Jews, gypsies. These people were put to work involuntarily in the factories. And uh, because they were prisoners, they had no rights. I believe that ever since then, the industrialists have wished for a repeat of that situation. And I think now they think they've found it. And that is by... I'm going to use the word like chemically castrating us, not just physically, but mentally through what is happening right now, the health tyranny combined with things like this. They're going to monetize our very bodies. And here's where he mentions agile governance. Kudenek says it's they're free to obey, to practice what Klaus Schwab calls agile governance and to push for efficiency and productivity above all human considerations, which are not regarded as important by his cold techno-fascist mind. It transforms each person into a thing, an object, which must be useful in order to have the right to live and exist. The Germanic individual becomes a tool, raw material, and a factor, a factor of production, of growth, of prosperity. This outlook has no time for the idle or the ill, for anyone who cannot show themselves to be productive and profitable, any such antisocial misfits and refuseniks face social exclusion and even the concentration camps. 
So basically, they have always wanted to make humans into real resources. But ah, there's so many pesky nation states getting in the way. If they started to do it, then nation states that were more democratic and into the rule of law and human rights and sane would come and fight them and bomb them and destroy their efforts. And that's exactly what happened, right, during the Second World War. Well, after the Second World War, they formed the United Nations, the WHO, the World Bank, the IMF, the European Union, and shortly thereafter, the World Economic Forum. And whereas the other ones purport to be looking after human rights, the World Economic Forum purported, and always has, to be looking after business and the rights of business and how to get governments to agree to lighter and lighter regulation of business. Eventually, of course, through subversion, through bribery, through blackmail and corruption in general, the businesses got their feet in the door of the UN through their charitable foundation. Suddenly, that got them a seat at the table. So they just used fancier words and put lipstick on their pigs and presented them as nice charities doing humanitarian work. And in that way, so they got into the United Nations, they got into all these world body organizations, but the coup de grace came when the World Economic Forum and the UN merged. And the vehicle they've chosen to get us all with is health. So the World Health Organization is put out front they're the ones running the show for the cameras, for the PR campaign, for the general public. But in behind here, we've got the oligarchs, the business interests, the industrialists who want nothing more than to use humanity as a resource, just like they did just before and during World War II. Because even if you weren't a prisoner of war or one of the dissidents, you were forced to be an operative of the state through social pressure campaigns and ostracism campaigns and incentives, just like now. Just like now, only with a whole different front facing you. Aren't we being asked right now to participate fully in the medical tyranny or lose our jobs, lose our income, lose our family, lose our access to hospitals lose our access to transportation and on it goes you either go in and be a functionary of the state voluntarily or you become a dissident and a refusenik and then are ostracized and at risk of becoming a political prisoner of some sort in the future you are listening to just right broadcasting around the world and online <laughs> Agile government. Give me a break. I wonder if Dr. Christian would call it capitalism. Remember his reference to Hitler wanting to bring the fruits of capitalism to the people? Well, you know, what they were really getting was the fruits of slavery. I really don't have a lot to add to what Polly St. George has said here, other than to offer a couple of observations. First, her reference to those pesky nation-states. Sovereign nations are the only political structures capable of protecting the freedom of their citizens, even though they do not always do so. No wonder fascists hate Trump and his America First perspective. And remember how they were calling Trump the fascist? In this regard, Trump is a capitalist, placing the self-interest of a free nation above the altruism demanded by a globalist dictatorship. 
and she never mentioned capitalism once, and consistently and correctly defined fascism as the merger of corporations and the state where business interests rule the day and government is really only secondary. Exactly. This reversal of power begins whenever governments attempt to regulate and control private interests, from doctors to industrialists. Now they all control the government. But everything that Polly St. George said in the last audio bite was just a setup for what she says in the next one we're about to hear. If the vaccines aren't about health, then what are they about? How do they possibly fit into a political agenda? Well, I once warned that we'll have to take a peek down one of those scary rabbit holes, didn't I? Well, what Polly St. George says next may sound insane, and quite frankly, it is. But remember, she's just the messenger, and what she's talking about is absolutely real. This is all about the fourth industrial revolution and the technological pieces of that puzzle. And they're going to destroy everything we know now about the way economy and work works. And they have a new model ready to go. And this involves something called the circular economy, modern monetary theory, the internet of things with 5G, and of course the destruction of energy based on fossil fuels. These are key elements of it. And you say to yourself, if they're going to go through this technological revolution, don't they themselves need power somehow from it? Yes, they do. The idea that they want their slaves back and the idea that they want to get rid of fossil fuels for the most part. These two things go together in the absolute creepiest of ways. Here's a three minute short video of what I was trying to explain last year. Considering that they are really pushing Western countries to get off of fossil fuels, what would produce the energy needed? Remember that in the circular economy, a lot of jobs will be lost. Robots will do everything in consult with the internet of things. In MMT, Modern Monetary Theory, they say they don't need a backing for the value of money. That's what they say. But I argue there is a backing for the value of money in that system. And the backing is human energy. Cryptocurrency system using body activity data. They are saying here that an information service provider will give a user a task and then the brainwave or body heat emitted from the user when the user performs the task can be quantified. The tasks they suggest might be viewing an advertisement or using certain internet services. On the next page, it goes on to tell you exactly what they mean. The body activity may include, for example, but not limited to, radiation emitted from a human body, brain activities, body fluid flow, organ activity or movement, body movement, and any other activities that can be sensed and represented by images, waves, signals, texts, numbers, degrees, or any other form of information or data. Examples of body radiation emitted from human body may include radiant heat of the body, pulse rate, or brain wave. Each person will be evaluated for how much energy they can contribute to the circular economy. And that is 
our whole worth. They will give us an income, which will be energy credits, basically, based on how much energy we put back into the system. You see, and in that way, in their nutso minds, everything will be in perfect balance. If I, Polly, do X amount of work in a day that benefits the system, I, Polly, will be rewarded with the same amount of credits back, which I can spend into the system by eating food or heating my home or traveling from point A to point B. It's, it's impossible to get ahead in such a system, but that's what they want. Everything is going to be equal for all of us plebs. And they're going to sit up there in their ivory castles, pressing the buttons to make us work, doling out our allowances, moving us around if we get sick, maybe terminating our lives if we can't put any energy credits back into the system, any effort into the system. And now do you see why why the specter of these vaccines is so, so dark. We know they have patents to mine cryptocurrency from our bodies. I just showed you. So how do they do that? By what mechanism are they going to read all of those things? Well, I argue that it is something inside the vaccines because they have already created computers that can go inside people's cells. They can certainly go in the microbes in our stomach and things like that. That's how they're going to read everything. They need us to be connected 24-7 to the Wi-Fi signals and the Internet of Things and the Internet of Bodies. Look it up. It's real. So this is how they get their slaves. And the fascism, the totalitarianism, is all about getting everybody injected so that we can all be on this system. And the worst part, the scariest possibility here, is that they already know their system, this one, where you will own nothing and will be happy, it can't work with a huge and growing world population. That's too unpredictable for them. It's too unsustainable for them. Anytime you hear the word sustainable, think of the word predictable because I think that's what they ultimately want. Total predictability, which is why they're coming after our jobs because if we had different jobs, we would make different amounts of money and they can't have that. They're coming after the food because if we could have choice in food, some people might be healthier than others just from their diet, and they can't have that. That throws everything off. Oh, I could go on and on. But my point is that this all looks like a return to the dream they had when they first tried their fascist form of governance back in World War II.
Let's look again at this agile governance phrase, which is what started it all. Here's the article from the World Economic Forum. Here's how agile governance could help manage global uncertainty. Look at the picture they used, by the way. Isn't this interesting? A man in a suit is free. He has no mask. He's not wearing one of these suits. But who's there? The slaves. The literal faceless slaves. I believe these industrialist types, they do hate us. They hate us. They can't stand the sight of us. Look at this picture. Why would they use this picture? Why would they use a picture like that? Because they're not talking to us in these articles. They're talking to each other. This is the world they're promising them. And so many of these sick corporate leaders are going in for it. It's disgusting. All right, so in the article, they say incremental policy development is part of agile governance. Incremental reminds me of the totalitarian tiptoe, how they do things in little small stages so people don't really notice how bad it's getting. There's two more elements to agile government. Leveraging scientific methods and approaches, they call it. I call it lawlessness. Policymaking is increasingly about experimentation. Governments are creating spaces to test new ideas, including regulatory sandboxes, test beds, laboratories, innovation spaces, or experimentation programs that are outside of standard governance procedures. And I think if you look around, that's exactly what's happening. They're constantly changing and playing with and trying out regulation on the fly without debate in parliament, without passing laws. This is called lawlessness. They call it policy innovation. Another word for this, in my opinion, is anarcho-tyranny. Anarcho-tyranny. Anarchy for those above, tyranny for those below. It reflects why the rule of law seems to have gone out of the window in our countries. And finally, cross-sector collaboration, which I'm calling corporate takeover or fascism. Just read this. Businesses should be encouraged to govern themselves through market-led governance mechanisms such as self-regulated industry codes of conduct. Give me a break. This is just the dream come true for corporations. Oh, listen, we'll police ourselves. And if we do something wrong, we will fine ourselves and, if necessary, arrest and charge ourselves and perhaps convict ourselves, and put ourselves in jail. This is never going to happen. This is exactly how we got in the mess we're in. And they're testing it. Can you feel it? They are testing it. This is the mandates. The governments themselves are not able to put mandates on. It's against our constitutions. They're not doing it. They're leaving it up to the businesses. And we're seeing how the businesses are handling it. Even though there's no law, no law to turn to, to uphold these mandates, the companies are doing it anyway. And as a result, all kinds of people are losing their jobs and their incomes. And what does that do? That makes them way easier to control. It sucks them into the projects that I talked about in that little video clip. 
slave class, the new technological slave class. And by the way, this agile governance thing is not a pipe dream. You citizens in the United Kingdom, your country is signed right up to it. Look here. Department for Business, Energy, and Industrial Strategy from the UK.gov website. They signed this Agile Nations Charter. They signed it on November 25th, 2020. It says the charter is not legally binding, so that's good. But we see again how they're circumventing the law anyway. Law is out the window. Traditional work is out the window. Traditional policing is out the window. Traditional medicine is out the window. All we have left is totalitarianism through mob control and corporate tyranny. Does it sound like fascism to you? It sounds like it to me. And that is exactly what it is. Bravo, Polly St. George. And by the way, I recently heard Dr. Vladimir Zelenko of New York pretty much confirm everything that Polly St. George has said here when he was on X-22 show recently, right down to offering the patent numbers regarding all of these technologies. And above all, note how she cited the fact that government themselves cannot mandate. They leave it up to the businesses. No law, but companies do it anyway. Well, that's just one reason why, over a couple of past episodes of this show, that Freedom Party leader Paul McKeever has called for laws prohibiting private businesses from discriminating on the grounds of a person's vaccination status. You know, a capitalist could be a fascist, a socialist, a communist, or even, who knows, in favor of capitalism. Because the word capitalist is not a political or social concept, it's economic. Whereas capitalism is a political and social system. So let's all get together and work on establishing our own great reset, shall we? It'll be called capitalism because that's the only reset that's just right. We'll own what we earn and freely pursue our individual happiness. That should give us something to ponder between now and the time that you join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right. And be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Gestapo! The key, at once. What is going on here, darling? Nothing, darling. <laughs> Who are these? Oh, I see. The bully boys. <laughs> what are you doing here? Just a routine check, Herr General. I don't... <laughs> I assure you, General, we had no intention of intruding upon your... Privacy. No. <laughs> you did. I tell you so. Should it ever happen again, I will report you to your superior officer, and then to his superior officer, and then even to his superior officer. I will report you all the way up until it comes back to me. <laughs> and if I ever report it to myself, <laughs> Are you going to be in trouble?